the scripture said, and they begin to shout louder. And a lot of people believe if we just get together, and I've roared, and I probably will roar some more, but it's not about releasing a roar as much as it is about becoming a roar. Authority will intimidate. Righteous authority intimidates darkness. I was kind of flat again. Righteous authority will intimidate darkness. It will intimidate unrighteousness. I'm going to tell you a story. I was at Lowe's in the garden department. This had been a few years ago. And there was an older man on a cane in front of me. And he bought some stuff that had to be loaded. And the lady behind the counter was of a different ethnicity than he was. And she told him, said, if you'll pull up into our loading zone, I'll have my men load this in the back of your truck. And he said, no, you can load it where my truck's sitting out there. And she said, sir, we can't do it. I had someone in my congregation that was the manager of the uh, garden division of Lowe's. And the reason they couldn't is they were loading something out in the parking lot, and it fell over on a car beside it, and they had to change all their policies. And so she told him she couldn't. And he being of my ethnicity and her being of a African ethnicity, he reared up and pulled the race car and began to get very ugly. And I can't stand that. And I just reached up and grabbed his arm and squeezed it pretty tight. And when he looked at me, I said, you ain't going there. And he almost took in his right hand the cane that he had and hit me. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, I'm fixing to, to have a jail minister. Because the inside out. I said, you're not going to. She did nothing racial. She did nothing wrong. Are you hearing me? Now, I know there's some actions there that I did, but what I'm trying to tell you, if we will stand up in God's righteous authority, we can stop this nonsense. There is an agenda to divide our nation. There is an agenda to divide us in ethnicity. Let me just share something with you. Come up here, Michael. This man's part of Toronto's ministry, but he's been in my life for 30 years. And he's doing good right now. Now hold your arm up here. Everybody noticed that his pigmentation is a little bit different from mine? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Race is a myth. There's, you cannot find in God's word anywhere about race. We have different ethnicity, and that has to do with geographical era, areas with that. But the point I want to tell you is you can't look at me down. But I have 2% African blood when I did my DNA. You can be seated. Now let me just tell you, I have some relatives in Arkansas that would probably lynch me if they knew how proud I was that I had that blood. To be honest, because they're foolish and ignorant. But the point is, if we're, as we become the roar of God, our presence is going to be a change. See, all authority is influence. But not all influence is authority. 
<laughs> We've got teachers trying to influence your children but have no authority because you have no authority in anything in the earth that you're not willing to take responsibility for. Are you hearing me? You have no authority. All authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. And then he said, I give it to you. And the reason that he could say all authority in heaven and earth is mine is because he took responsibility for everything in heaven and earth. So authority is responsibility motivated by love. And when you love people, you're going to have an authority in their life and you're going to be able to speak into their life and you're going to bring some change. And we must, we are becoming, but we must become the roar of God in the earth. And we've got to do it differently of what we've done in the last 50 years in Charismania. Several years ago, I was up in Vancouver, B.C., and I was part of a citywide thing to put together a bringing Vancouver together, meeting with 60 pastors. I was brought in to be an apostolic prophetic voice into it. And always when I was up in that area, I stayed in a place called Port Roberts. Port Roberts is, is part of the United States, but you can't drive to it unless you go to Canada first and drive back out. <laughs> And the people there had a prophet's quarter, and I was always there, and I got in one night about 1 o'clock in the morning from an all-day. I mean, these were very intense meetings. And I fell across the bed, very tired, almost too tired to undress, going out to get a bird the next morning to crawl back over into Canada. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke, and he said, Is there a question you would ask the Father? I don't know how long I laid there, but I laid there a long time because I, here's what went through my mind. I might not ever get this chance again. <laughs> this needs to be the best question I've ever asked. And after what seemed like an eternity, this is the question I asked. I said, where is the church and where are you taking it? I wish I could remember what year this was, but it's uh, it, it's been... Uh, I can't, I just remembered it's been 18 years ago when I had this in 2003 when this happened. And where's the church and where are you taking it? And this is what the Spirit of the Lord said. I'm shifting the church from the charismatic to the spiritual. And that's, that's a great answer, but I didn't have an understanding of it then as, as much as I do today. And see, the charismatic movement, as much as I've been a part of it for 40 years, has been more about events. Mm -hmm. The next prophet, the next healing line, the next prophetic conference, the next prayer meeting, the next church service. All of those are events. When God's word promises us, we drive the enemy out of our life little by little. See, we have this microwave McDonald mindset that we you know we want to go through deliverance one and it's totally done. I've I found over the years that it's like peeling uh, layers of onion. Amen? You 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 get to a little bit and you discover some more. It gets easier with each layer, but you have to go through that. And so in becoming the more of God, we've got to understand he's looking for a resurrectional witness. You know that 
you and uh, you in my life should prove that he was resurrected. St. Francis of Assisi said this, preach the gospel wherever you go. And when you have to, use words. I love that quote. Your life ought to be preaching. When I go back to that little small town, which used to be 400, now it's 300, and uh, for years and years and years, soon I'd go home, and I'd see some that knew me, and they, this is what they'd say, you still preaching? <laughs> and so I told my wife, the next time we go home, and someone said that, the man would say, no, Florida Casino, a lot more money in it. <laughs> 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 we said that six times, and no one asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> the devils got scared. It was like, you still preaching? I don't preach because it's an occupation. It's a call of God on my own. My father and I owned 17 Corporation when I got born again. I, I mean, I, I walked away from a lot. No, I didn't. I walked away into more. But I walked away from some things. Just like Elisha, he, bur he slew the ox and burned the plow. That ox, preachers preach that that ox and those plow represented his uh, path. They didn't represent his path. They represented a future that he could go back to that would keep him from fulfilling. I had $36,000. I'm talking about back in the 90s. I had $36,000 worth of snap-on tools. That's what they were worth in the 90s. Wow. And the Lord told me, he said, it's time for you to sell them. Mm -hmm. I said, why, Lord? He said, because they're a future you will try to go back to if things get hard. And that's not what I have for you. I want you to learn to trust me. Amen. And I said, well, Lord, nobody, I don't know if I got the money to buy them. You buy them, snap on them, finance them. I'm not going to finance them. He said, sell them to your dad. And I said, Lord, my dad's not going to pay me what these, these wrenches are worth, these tools are worth. And this is what he said. He said, take whatever he's got in his pocket. Now, my dad's only carry a little cash in his pocket. Okay. And so I loaded him up. I drove five hours to where he lived. Pulled up. He looked and said, what are you doing with all these tools? I said, I brought them to you. He said, well, you know, I ain't got enough money to buy those tools. I don't need all them. I said, I'll take whatever in your pocket right now. He pulled out $4,000. Wow. I was proud to get the $4,000. Are you hearing that? But they were not a past to go back to. They were a future to go back to. So God is seeking in the reconstituting of the church right now, he's seeking to take us back to the future. <laughs> I've had several dreams about uh, DeLorean Carr. But he wants to take us back to the future. And back to the future is when we become the Lord. When we become the Lord, we open tonight as this lady roared out of what she woke up singing mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. We begin tonight with a roar through the worship that's in this house. But see, it's not about the sound as much as it is about the authority on it. I no longer judge prophecy by the words of it, I judge it by the authority on it. Think about that. Yeah. All right. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 22, it said, From the beginning of 
uh, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, speaking of Jesus, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. See, we should be the witness of his resurrection. Whether you, you know, in our area, FedEx is a big important FedEx or whoever you work for, you should be the witness of the resurrection wherever you work at, wherever you go. And it's, it's looking for that. It goes on to say, and John 11, uh, excuse me, and John 11 said, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. How many of you know you're carrying resurrection power? Mm-hmm. You're carrying <coughs> resurrection power. Yeah. And resurrection power, I prayed for a woman who was mm-hmm. carrying a child. She had been told that the the ultrasound showed the heart was not in the right place, the kidneys mm-hmm. were not in the right place, the brain was deformed, and all that. She didn't tell me how bad it was. She just said, I got a bad report from the doctor. I got to see a specialist on Monday. And I had my wife lay hands on her belly. I laid my hand on my wife's hand. And I've never, to that day, I've never prayed this, never thought this, never saw this. And I said, I just speak into this womb, into this child, resurrection power, the power of reversal. Didn't resurrection reverse death into life with Jesus? And Lazarus? A few more guys? And she goes in on Monday. They run 20-some tests on her. Finally do another ultrasound. Her... The specialist came in with the ultrasound from Friday and the ultrasound from Monday and said, your baby's normal. His name is Noah. He's, he's three years old now, and he's not normal. He's super normal. And he is something else. You know, him and I are buds, too, you know, when I'm there. And, and with it. And so it, you and I are the power of reversal in our cultural decay that we're seeing. The authority of the kingdom that he's invested in us by the indwelling of Holy Spirit, we become the roar of God. Am I making, is it, is it, am I communicating well enough you're getting a little bit of this? All right. Acts 4, verse 33, and he said, and with great power, I love this scripture, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, that word great there is mega, and mega grace was upon them all. Romans 6 and verse 5 said, For if we have been united together in the likeness of death, certainly we'll also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. You know, I know you've heard some preachers somewhere say the thing that sets Christianity apart is he was resurrected. I got news for you, Buddha brought it. Mohammed, he rotted. The false gods are not alive today. They're not speaking today. But yet Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, is alive. He's at the right hand of the Father. He, he carries the blood in and sprinkled on the mercy seat. And he's alive. Isn't it amazing all of the Muslims that's coming to become followers of Jesus now mm-hmm. because they're having dreams and encounter with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We need that to happen in America. Yes. Yes. We need that to happen in the Senate. Yes. We need that to happen in the House. Yes. We need that to happen in the White House. Yes. I, I mean, maybe we need to start praying that Jesus, Yeshua, uh, visits Biden 
in, in the night time. It's not being political. I'm in a desperate fight for this nation. Amen? I'm in a desperate battle to see this nation. And, and um, you know, we, it's reading we five days a week and every Tuesday night we do the calls. And if you're not part of that call, you can be. You got a pen? Get a pen real quick. 719-718-6038. You don't need any access code. Call it. We're every day at 2.22 Eastern Time and every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. We got thousands that get on with us. And uh, the call is just what it is. And uh, Tuesday night, we've turned into more prophetic. We're prophesying. The Lord told me, he said, I want, I want you to prophesy over all 50 states. And I kept trying to put together a plan. Wasn't coming together. And so we just started prophesying on Tuesday night. We're going to get around to all 50 states. We're going to prophesy over every state with that. Release a fresh word with that. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To a living hope. You know, a lot of people have hope, but it is, but it is have life hope. They're hoping in the wrong thing. They're hoping in the wrong thing. My hope is that God does it his way. My hope is that we don't mess it up any more than we messed it up. My hope is that, uh, that there's a visitation of angels that strike holy fear in people's lives and they turn to God. Resurrection, we talk about resurrection power. See, the gospel of the kingdom is about being a witness of the resurrection power at work in the earth today. I'm not boasting in what I've been tell, not trying to draw attention to me, but I've seen the dead raised twice. And I, I want you to understand that both times when these people were raised from the dead, I was more amazed than they were. <laughs> so I, I'm not telling you that I was in full of faith and everything. I, the first lady that was raised from the dead was hit by a pickup and knocked 80 feet through the air. Her body landed in a contorted position you can't possibly put the human body in. It happened in front of my father-in-law's car lot. And my kids hung out there a lot. And when I heard the accident, our tires squeal, you know, stopping. I heard the thump. My shop was right around the corner, my trucking company. And I went running there to see. And the lady was laying there. And uh, the first thing my father-in-law did, he began to pray. And, uh, I mean, she was twisted up, blood coming out of her nose, blood coming out of her mouth, blood coming out of her ears, no movement. Someone reached down, couldn't find the pulse, and we started praying. And all of a sudden, my father-in-law began to pray in tongues. And we were in a town where there was no Pentecostal church. They already thought we were strange. They thought I was strange. And I, I remember thinking, I'm going to show you the lack of faith. I remember thinking, oh, my God, they think we're... We're, we're crazy, you're giving them evidence. <laughs> but I laid my hand on her and I began to pray in tongues as well. And literally, this is what I saw. It was like a video running backwards. The blood began to run back in her ears. The blood began to run up her nose. The blood began to go back in her mouth. And she came too. She said, help me up. 
And she stood to her feet. And she never would. The ambulance showed up and she wouldn't go. And she lived to be 91 years old and worked the garden until she was 89. Met everybody in that town. That was Blanche Slanigan. She's African American. I, I have to correct that. If I would say that around her, she's like, no, I'm not. I'm black. And that was her choice, okay? And she, you know, she was a giver. And God raised her. And it was, it was because we showed up with a resurrectional witness that night. I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen. I don't even think I had faith that it would happen. But I had enough faith to do what I knew to do. And God worked through our obedience to raise her from the dead. Now go with me to the book of John, chapter 5. And I'm going to read several scriptures, and then we're going to go back and break down these five resur resurrectional witnesses that establish you to be the Lord God. In verse 31, it said, If I bear witness of myself, this is Jesus speaking, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that that witness which he witnessed of me is true. You have sent, you have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness in John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works I do, bear witness of me and has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Search the scriptures. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But, verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and let me tell you, anywhere you read the word name in Hebrew or Greek, it means the actual definition of his character, authority, and nature. I have to drill this home, because you've got to catch this. So he's, let me go back and read that. Let me find where it was. Uh, uh, if another comes in his own name, character, authority, and nature. You know, there were many men alive during the time of Yeshua, that their name was Yeshua. So it wasn't like that name, Yeshua is above every name. What it's speaking about, the character, authority, and nature of the Son of God was what set that name above every name. Are you with me? Yes. You know, uh, R.W. Shambaugh, uh, wait a minute, I'll get A.A. Allen sent some Bible college students to shore up his tent one time. And they got there, they were tightening the tent up, the storm was coming in, and a man came in who was demon-possessed, and he was cursing Jesus and doing everything, and these Bible students, and one of the Bible college students told me this story personally. They kept trying to cast the devil out of him, and they were having to no avail. And about that time, after about 40 minutes of minutes, trying to minister to guy, Brother Allen showed up. He walked in another tent, assessed the situation, Walked over to the man's ear, not inferring your 
demon possessed, he whispered into the man's ear, the devil came out of him, he led him to the Lord and got him filled with the Holy Ghost. He checked on the tent, when he started back in the car, this Bible student, Bible college student, who was now an evangelist, followed him to his car and said, Brother Allen, said, we tried for almost an hour to get, him, get the devil out of him. What, what did you say that was so powerful? And this is what A.A. Allen answered his head. He said, I just told him this is A.A. Allen, come out. <laughs> See, he he didn't necessarily use in the name of Jesus, but he stood there in the character of the authority in the nature of Jesus. Anybody ever read this scripture? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you, son of Judah? Look it up. This will be a good study for you. Look it up. The two word knows are two different words. They're not the same word no. Actually, what the original text says, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I'm getting to know. See, what are you known for in the second heaven? In the cosmos? Are you known for lying, cheating, saying you're out of porn? You have no authority over anything you've not conquered in your authority. So you can't cast it out. I know a service that took place in Greenville, Mississippi. Where a man looked at a guy and said, Lord, show me you have a lying spirit. And the man admitted it. And he said, well, I don't take authority over cast you out. And the demon spoke out of the guy and said, you can't cast me out. You cheat on your income tax and that's lying. Let me just tell you this. The thing I was doing worship there, the service came to a halt. It came to a halt. And I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to scare you. We are in those times. We are in those times. We're not going to play this game that we've been playing. We, it's not about, and, and when I'm bringing up this about A.A. Allen, he didn't use, and I hear people all the time, in the name of Jesus. You know, I, I'm not saying that's wrong to say that, but if you're not standing there in the character, the authority, and the nature of Jesus, you can't say, it's, it's, it's not, listen, people treat that phrase, in the name of Jesus, like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And it doesn't work. But when you become intimate, and that was the main theme I heard during the last couple of uh, days, uh, but as you become intimate, then you can stand there. I call it the can of God, character, authority, nature. And when you stand there, then God can, through you, do exceedingly abundantly above anything you think around. This makes sense. Yeah. See, we, the, the, the ecclesia, the praying church, has got to go to a whole other level. We gotta go to another level. You know, we just need a good Holy Ghost outpouring in the Senate where all their tongues cleave to the top of their mouth for three days. <laughs> and they're stuck to their seat. <laughs> Listen, we, we, there's no fear of God. There's no fear of God. We fear man, I, I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but the fear of man. What, what are they going to do? You know, what are they going to do to us? What if it comes down that that we have martyrs in this nation? There used to be a radio preacher. I won't say his name. You, you've heard him. I promise you've heard this person. And a, a spiritual son of mine, we were in the Navajo Nation putting a roof on the Navajo church one time. 
And this is what he said. He said, you get in one of these foreign countries where they kill you for being a Christian, just lie and get out of there. You're worth more alive than God and you are dead. I fell off the roof. I was afraid God, this preacher was still alive at that time, and I was afraid God was going to kill him and the lightning would hit us too. Just by listening to him on the radio. I can imagine anybody that would say something like that. Amen? I've been in some of it. I, I was held in Bucharest in 1990 for seven hours and interrogated. And I had $200,000 cash on me. A man who had served in World War II in, in, in Romania, God told him, he said, one day I'll send you back to, the, uh, uh, to be a blessing to Romania. He gave us $200,000 to build 40 churches there. And we, we carried it in in 1980. Now, I don't know if you remember real well, but communism fell in 89. It was still not just real good there. And we got in, we built those 40 churches with that man's money. He became a blessing to me. God had prospered him in a tremendous way. All right, let me get back to this. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, and you do not have the love of God in you. And I've come in my father name, character, authority, and nature, and you do not receive me. If another comes in my own name, character, authority, and nature, him you will receive. Would he be would he give us forgiveness but not empower us with the spirit of God? We've been forgiven. But he wants us to be more than forgiven. He wants us to rise up into that place of a power. Now, let me give you these signs of being the war of God. Every one of them are about a resurrectional witness. Every one of them are in this text I just read you. Number one, we need to become the witness of truth. What do you think on that? We need to become the witness of truth. We need the words that we speak prophetically to come to pass. The Lord sent me several years ago on a mission to the mayor of South Haven, Mississippi. Because I have a church there, because I have respect, I, for many years, spoke every uh, National Day of Prayer. And we were there, and just about six months before the National Day of Prayer, the mayor of that city came out of the closet, divorced his wife, and announced that God had called him to be a homosexual. <laughs> And when he met with the clergy that morning before the National Day of Prayer, City Hall and everything, he assured us, his minister, he was closer to God than he'd ever been. And the Lord spoke to me. I didn't go there knowing I was to do this. He spoke. And it just so happened the mayor of that city and I ended up in the hallway alone together. And I said, Mayor, the Lord told me to tell you he's going to give you 12 months to repent, 12 months of mercy, and if you don't, it's not going to go well with you. He didn't know what to say. He stood there like a cow looking at a new gap in the fence. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked away from him. Next year, I did the National Day of Prayer. He's there again. He's swearing. He's closer to God. And I prophesied to him. The Lord gave you 12 months of mercy. You didn't turn from your uh, depravity. You didn't turn from your deception. And God said, I'm drawing back the mercy. And you will... Uh, you'll, he just announced he was going to run for mayor again. I said, you'll lose by a landslide and you'll be found guilty of embezzlement. Mm -hmm. 
and you'll serve time in prison. Mm -hmm. He looked at me and said, Reverend Nash, why would you say such a thing? I said, because God told me to tell you. He lost by 87% of the vote. He was found guilty of embezzling money, $175,000 that he was giving to his gay lover. Now, he's never served a day so far in prison. I don't understand that. But he just went to work for another city. So maybe it's the second go round. I don't know. But if God can do what he, what I, you know, I know God spoke to me to say those things with that. See, on that day when I spoke those words, I was the Lord God. Are you hearing me? And we need people that will become that. And, and like, don't get foolish and just go tell something to somebody, to somebody. It might be truth that you tell them, but if God's not told you to say it, it's not going to carry in authority. God might reveal something to you just so you can intercede in pride. Are you hearing me? And so, it, you know, I, I'm being honest, he did. You can, look, you can look all this up and Google it. Where he was, he was found guilty. He, he was doing his best to pay. He did his best to pay it back. That's what kept him out of prison and so far. But I believe God said he would go to prison. I didn't hear something conditional in it, so maybe it's down the road. But can I tell you what? I don't want him to go to prison. I want him to turn to God. Amen. I want those kids of his to get their daddy back. Amen. A righteous daddy, a pure daddy. I want that family restored. I don't know if him and his wife seemed like I heard she got married. I don't know. You know, sometimes it can't be put back together like that. But I, I want to see, you know, he's redeemable. Yeah. The blood that Jesus shed was for him. And I didn't speak that so he could go to hell. I spoke that so God could give him a pathway to redemption. So we must become the witness of truth. The Bible's got to be real. Friend of mine and pastors in uh, Nottingham, England, has said this for many, many years. He said, "I refuse to raise my children." Children, I'm wrong. Uh, he said, "I refuse to raise my children in a church that talks about signs and wonders but doesn't produce them." Yeah. Yeah. We need to see the power of God yeah. on display. Yes. You know, with it, I, you know, it, we need to see the manifestation. Of God's dunamis on display. John 8, 31 and 32 said, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word yeah. and are my and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall exactly. make you free. Yeah. You know, there's too much of people. I'm not talking about becoming argumentative, but I, you know, I have my views on eschatology. And lady, so you'll understand, he's coming back for a victorious church. And right now in the earth, especially in America, the Western world, the, the, I don't see a bride in the earth. I see a snaggletooth harlot. We're pretty lame. Am I preaching okay? Yeah. I mean, the, the bride's not chased right now. I'm just telling you, I know we, we're all working, and with that, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, don't, I don't come with a, a message of gloom and doom, but he's coming back for a victorious church. In fact, if you really want to get messed up good, get Harold Everly's book, Victorious Eschatology. It'll, 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 it'll challenge you. 
Some of you will throw it across the room several times before you finish it. <laughs> but if you'll finish it, it, it I mean, it's with it. Can I just give you a real quick test? How many of you believe that the gospel has to be preached to all the earth before Jesus can return? Hold your hand up. Well, let me just tell you, the Bible says in five places it was preached to all the earth. I believe that too because I heard some preacher preach it. And then I got around Harold and he showed me five places where the Bible said in one of its Colossians that it was preached to all the earth. And he said, well, still for that. No, you study and you find it. And so there's a lot of things that we've been taught. Uh, you know, everybody's caught up. I, I believe in the second coming of Christ. So don't, you know, don't, don't get me mixed up. But let me tell you what I, I believe in as much as the second coming of Christ. I believe in occupying until he comes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen? And that word occupy is a business term in the Greek, and it means do business with and bring increase. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Your life ought to be producing something. <sighs> I knew a man from Mozambique, and he he did not believe you were his disciple until you had discipled someone. So he would not allow you to self yourself to call your he would not allow you to call yourself a, a disciple until you discipled your first person. How many of you know the last 50, 75 years in America we've had a lot of converts, but we've not had many disciples. That's right. A disciple has the mind of Christ. A convert doesn't. Converts look like sinners. Disciples look like Christ. Amen? Look at, I want you to know that. Look at all the falls. And there's more to come in the church. There's more exposure coming. Number two. Well, let me give you one other scripture. Ephesians 1.13 said, In him, speaking of Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. How many of you know the truth to make you free? But most of the time it makes you miserable first. something that had less than 150,000 miles on This car had 36,000. And I go to preach. And the Lord said, tell that couple if they'll give you their car, you'll give them your car. The car was my wife's and she wasn't with me. <laughs> and I said, excuse me, Lord. Said, you heard me, son. So I called him up and I, I you know, I, I'm sometimes in a wise prophet, so I just kind of eased into it. I said, have y'all got a car? <laughs> I said, is it a pretty good car? Said, yeah, it's pretty good. I said, we went through a flood in West Memphis, Arkansas, and every once in a while it would just die. If you sit on the side of the road long enough, it would start back up. What is that? 
no cell phone names. And so I said, well, the Lord told me I'm to give you my car if you'll give me your car. This is what she looked around and said, we just made the last payment. The title just came in. We can do this. <laughs> so I gave them. I left my wife's car <laughs> and Mary Kremlin with them. And I started home in this Pontiac Grand Am standard shift. <laughs> that's bad, but I had driven a standard shift since I was in a front liner. And on the way home, it quit. <laughs> she didn't lie. I said, there about 45 minutes. They cranked back up. I drove it home. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And I went in the house. I said, I need you to come outside with me. I'm going to you down, make sure you have no knives, gun, and gloves. And I told her the Lord told me to do. She knew the couple. And she said, I believe you did it. You heard God. I can stand with this. We sent, uh, actually the man who fixed it, my son-in-law now, we sent to his shop. He found where things were corroded in the firewall. That's what called the dying. He fixed it, and I gave it to the pastor I was preaching for, daughter, who was about to go to Christ for Nation without a car. And a songwriter, Christian songwriter, who if I named some of his songs, you know who it is, called us one day, and I'd had a dream. And I told my wife, so-and-so is going to give you a Lexus car. And she said, well, people think you're crazy. Like, don't you know <laughs> so-and-so is going to give you a Lexus car. And they called one day and said, why don't you come to Nashville? We'll go out and eat Chinese and go see a movie. We got there to their house. There's two brand new Lexus in the, in the driveway. We went in the house, visited one, and said, let's go eat Chinese and see a movie. And when we came out, the husband threw me the keys and said, here, y'all, you, you drive us. We, we just want to ride in the back. And if we're getting the car over the top of the car, because the couple are in the car, I go sue them. <laughs> so we go eat Chinese, and we go to the movie, and we come back to their house. He said, give me those keys. He said, that's the last time you get to drop it. It's hers. <laughs> now, let, let me share something with you. I could have missed it. I could, my mind went into high gear. Are you hearing me? About giving away. It was a 1996 929 Mazda. I mean, it was the last year they made the 929. It was a pretty nice car. For us, it was a very nice car. <laughs> Are you hearing me? But see, it was a resurrectional witness of truth. When I said to my wife, God said, give it away, you know, she didn't hear that voice. <laughs> I heard it and faith came to me, and she had to honor my faith and obedience to walk with me. But he became a witness of the truth. Are you with me? Yeah. Right, let me get on to the second one. <coughs> The second one we find in verse 36 when we go back and read it. But I have a greater witness in John for the works which the Father gave me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. The second witness is a witness of his works. How many of you 
We're like to have a healing ministry. We'll be used in healing. Amen. How, how about you? Would you like to flow in healing? And see people? I'm going to give you the most basic instruction I can give you about it. One hand here, one hand here, pray. I learned that from Charles and Francis Hunter in one of their healing schools. And so you got to start somewhere. When I learned that God would heal, I went looking for people that were told. And the first four people we prayed for died. And word got out. Don't let Clay play for you. <laughs> I had a guy run down the hall in the hospital. He didn't want me near him. He said, I don't hurt. And then people started getting healed. Are you hearing that? And so you've got to start somewhere. And you just start boasting. You lay hands on you pray. What do you pray? You, you pray what comes into your heart. You speak. You declare. But see, we need to become a witness. John 10, verse 37, 38 said, if I, not, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. Right now, the church is not being believed very much. There's faith in this room. Jesus, I believe you're, you know, we're having a good time tonight. I'm trying to keep it pretty tidy. Uh, on time and everything, but it's Saturday night. And those that go to this church, you got, I don't think you have a service in the morning. And I got to get up a lot earlier than you do, but I'm going to be in Springfield, Missouri about, about 10.30 tomorrow. And so, uh, you know, with it, but, but what I'm trying to say is, is this, the works. They, they listen, works speak loud. Works speak loud. Are you hearing me? In John 14, verse 12 through 14, I love this. Truly, truly, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will also do, and greater works. Let me just tell you, we are on the verge of greater works. Amen. We are on the verge. I, I actually believe we're into it. We've got our toes in the water. And we're about to see things we've never seen before. But let me just tell you, there's not going to be, and this is not any way derogative, but it's not going to be A. Allen's and Benny Hens and your favorite healing uh, evangelist and minister. It's going to be the body of Christ. Amen. People are going to come in to worship like we had here tonight just be healed. Amen. I got to talk to the granddaughter of a man who lost his leg in World War One. And his wife carried him to a Stephen Jeffries. Have you heard of the Jeffrey brothers from England? Jordan Stephen Jeffries. And she carried him to a Jeffries meeting and rolled him in his wheelchair because he had a leg amputated up to Brother Jeffries and he said, my husband come to get a miracle tonight to get a new leg. And if you've ever studied the Jeffrey boys, they were Yorkshire people, very staunch in personality. And he looked her eye and he said, you bring a sock and a shoe? <laughs> she said, no, I didn't. He said, then you didn't come in faith and I won't be praying for your <laughs> But the next night, she rolled in, brought the sock and shoe and told him, and he prayed for him and a leg grew out. Amen. This is documented. So good. 
Yeah. Well, first off, there was a young 17-year-old man there that I got to know mm -hmm. when he was a lot older. Mm -hmm. And he told me with tears running out of his face. Mm -hmm. I sat him right then. I want to be a preacher. <laughs> I wanted to serve a God that can make a leg grow. <laughs> he was 83 when I sat and had a meal with him in Wales. And he told me about it. He said it changed my life. And then I got to meet the granddaughter of the man whose leg grew out. And she told me. And she was not as young as she once was. She was pretty elderly. And she told me about it. And then I got to meet a man named Arthur Hibbert. Mm -hmm. That ring a bell to anybody? Any, anybody ever read the book on Wigglesworth, The Apostle of Faith? Yeah. Uh, Arthur Hibbert. I got to meet him before he passed away. Mm -hmm. He was very decrepit, very elderly. He couldn't stand up. Arthritis had drawn his body. I sat on the floor in front of him because he couldn't raise his head up. And he told me story after story of being with Smith. Ever heard this story? Smith took off running one day, ran down the street, went up to a keyhole, hollered through the keyhole on the door and said, don't do it, Jesus loves you. A few minutes later, a door opened and a chair and a hangman's noose. The man was just about to kick the chair out from under himself. Arthur Hibbert was, I say it Arthur, it's actually Albert. I knew his, I knew his nephew, Arthur as well. Albert Hibbert. And he said, I was with him. I saw him Story after story with that. Listen, we're not going back to the days of Wigglesworth. You know what Wigglesworth moved in like that? He was despised because he had the intimacy with God. It wasn't just a gift. It was, he, was, he was tapped into it. I don't, can I look up something just real quick? I heard something this morning in the service, and when I get these things, I text them to my wife because I go back and look them up. And everything, but this is what I heard. When you minister from knowing about God, you minister from God's supply. But when you minister from knowing God, you minister from the overflow. See, we're about, we are moving. Into the overflow of God. But we're going to do it out of intimacy of, of relationship. Does it make any sense to you? Yeah. Number three, we find it in verse 37. Listen, listen to this scripture. And the Father himself who sent me has testified me. You neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. There are thousands upon thousands of people who are waiting to hear his voice and see his form in you. And this young man here. And this young woman here. This young woman, this man, and this man, this woman, and you, and you, you got a birthing ministry. You're, you're going to birth some things in young women. There are some mistakes that you made in your life that are no longer holding you back because you're learning to forgive yourself. You've asked God to forgive you, and he has. And there are the religious that say you're not worthy of the path that God is putting you on. A path to be completed. A path to be loved. Not just loved unconditionally, but loved as a husband should love a wife. So don't let the peer pressure of anyone that's religious tell you the path that God puts you on is wrong. 
but get ready for in the birth that you're going to be like a midwife and you're going to help young women and young couples birth the, the destiny of God in them and through them and God, God's going to begin to give you words. You're already dreaming, but you're not understanding the dream. The Lord said, tell you, journal every dream. If you wake up at 3 and remember, put that in the journal. If you smell a fragrance in your room, write down the fragrance. Well, everything about it. And the Lord said, I'm, I'm seeking to bring you into a season yeah. to where you don't just dream, but you get the understanding of dreams so that you can apply them. The Lord said, I'm going to cause you to be a voice for him into the lives of those who have been hurt by religion. The Lord said, I put a call upon you to go to the rubbish in heap pile, I'm quoting out of the book of Nehemiah, and to pull the burnt stones from the rubbish in heap pile and place them in the house of God. you they should see the voice of God not just hear it they should see you our words should be yes and amen we tell people you know can I vent for just a moment church people I'll be there on work day pastor and then something comes up and they don't even have the audacity to call and say something come up with my kid they can't be there they just don't show up do you know that not, or you stand there and someone says something to you that you really don't believe I, people used to talk Tell me, you know, I, I believe Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I didn't believe that. And I'd stand there to be nice, and I'd just kind of, I wouldn't say yes, but I'd shake my head. And the Lord told me when I said, all you're doing is lying to them. You don't believe that. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm very gracious now. I said, well, you know, I'm, I understand you believe in that, and I think you have the right to, but I don't see it that way. But I'm not going to try to change you. I'm, I'm not here to change people to get them to see it like I do, but I just don't, I can't stand there and agree with you if you're telling me something I don't believe. We need to become the witness of his voice. In John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter into the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as the thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door of the shepherd is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opened, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep, own sheep. If he has his own sheep, could there possibly be sheep that are not his? Oh. I work with the Navajo. Anybody here work with the Navajo Indian? I've worked with them since back in the 80s. I've built 110 church buildings for them since 1988. And out there, they have sheep and wool-bearing goats. And they look a lot like sheep, but they're easy to distinguish. The sheep always have their tail down, covering themselves, and the goats always have it up, exposing themselves. And the Navajo, who are great pastors, have taught me a lot, because they're shepherds. And I spent a summer in Wynn, Arkansas with a guy who had actually been a shepherd in Israel in the same valley where David wrote the 23rd Psalm. And he taught me some things about it. But you have to understand, sheep are a very docile type animal. 
But goats has a tendency to be very unruly. Amen? And so we must understand that true sheep are, are going to not expose their self and expose parts of their self that shouldn't be exposed. In John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, he said, And I give them eternal life. I've already covered that this morning. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Do you believe that when I spoke to that mayor in South Lake of Mississippi, that I became a witness of the voice of God? I have to know that he talked to someone and he said, I don't know how he knew I was going to lose that bit. But yet he claimed to be close to God. God knows that. I'm literally, it's not, I've given people their social security number. It's almost dangerous to do that these days. They think you're trying to with it. But every person that God's ever given me their social security number, I led to the Lord. Led to Jesus. We need to be a witness of this voice. Number four. You find it in verse 38. But if I do, through you, do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe the Father is in me and I am in him. We need to have a witness of his word abiding in us. I love what John chapter 1 verse 14 said in the message Bible. Amen. Become the word, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. So you need to become the word made flesh in your neighborhood. You, you should be the one. You know, I come from. Let me just tell you, the, the high school I graduated with, our first ten-year reunion, we couldn't have one because so many of the, the people I graduated with was in prison. But I'm now on social media the one they come to for prayer. Are you hearing me? Yes. I have become a witness to them in this. One of them said to me recently, we just know God answers your prayers. <laughs> well, the world out there ought to know that God answers your prayers and your prayers and our prayers. We should be the driving force with that. And we can do that as a resurrectional witness of the fact that his word abides in us. Can I tell you, that's not about sharing it with someone. Man, used to be a sushi restaurant real close to the church, and they had a good price on their sushi at lunch. And you know, like sushi, forgive me, I do. My wife does. And we would go there occasionally when I was working in the office just down the street. And we would eat sushi. And uh, we went in there one day. And one of the things, let me just tell you, I, I started tipping 20% back in the 90s. I now get 25%. Because I might get the opportunity to speak into someone's life. And if I leave my track on the table, that ain't much of a witness. And so we walked into this restaurant at lunch, and two young men got to arguing over who was going to get my table. <laughs> and one of them did. But later, the other one walked by the table, and I said, I heard y'all arguing over who gets my table. You just want that big tip I give. And he said, we like your tip. And that's not why we want your table. And I said, really? 
I said, why did y'all want my table? He said, because you talk to us and not at us. Wow. He said, this way he said, you're the only person in this restaurant that talks to us. You ask us how school is going. You ask us, you know, you remember that my grandmother was in the hospital. You talk to us. He said, most everybody comes in and they talk at us, tell us what they want or the sushi's dry or the, you know, wasabi seems old or whatever it might be. He said, you talk to us. In other words, I engage them on their level. I'm proactive with them. And when you become a, a, a resurrectional witness, a resurrectional witness that he's abiding in you, they're going to sense. This young man, would you believe that if we got to know him, he'd never been into a church service in his life. In Memphis, Tennessee. See, Memphis is not the Bible Belt, it's the Bible Buckle. I'm just telling you. Everybody's saved there. Yes, one. Uh, do you know Jesus? Yeah, my, my grandmother gave the land the church built on. Like that gets you salvation. <laughs> Well, I've been through that. I've lived there all my life in the mid south. But we need to, to we need to have a witness that His Word abides in us. We need to become the Word made flesh and move into the neighborhood. And it, it goes on to say, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, and the glory of uh, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We need to be full of grace and full of truth. Young couple came to the elders one day of our church. They were living together. The woman had been raised up in our church. And she said to me, she said, we want to get married. I, I know you're going to tell us we're living in sin and, and condemn us, but we, we want to get married. I said, no, I'm going to tell you that. She looked at me and said, you're not going to tell us that you're not going to condemn us? And you're not? I said, no. I said, I will tell you that what you're doing doesn't produce life produces death. I had her ear. I didn't talk at her, I talked to her. At the end of that meeting that night, they said, well, help us understand what to do. I said, you need to move back in with your mom. Let him live in your own apartment. You need to repent for the sin of fornication. You need to get it right with God. And we're going to, you, you want a wedding? The church is going to put your wedding on for you. We're going to cover the expenses. But you got to get it right. They did every bit of it. Are you hearing that? Amen. And she had somewhat of a, of a history. Anybody here in the room have a history? Amen. Amen. Well, we really don't. But Jesus, uh, God said he cast it into the sea of forgetfulness and never been brought up. But, but, and uh, she had three sons, each by a different man. But yet they did it right. And we put them on a wedding. And they were married. Because, see, the church approaches things about it's right or wrong. God is not a right or wrong guy. Either God and life and death. You know that right or wrong comes out of Socrates and Plato and Augustine brought it. It's actually part of Greek philosophy. The church in the Western world has been Greek eyes pretty, pretty bad. And so it comes, and so it's not about right or wrong. It's about life or death. I'll throw out something controversial, but it's a, but I like being controversial. No, with it, but you know we could talk about the consumption of alcohol, and we probably find at least five different opinions on it here tonight. Now let me just tell you, the overindulgence in alcohol is a bad thing. I come from a family of alcohol, I understand. 
but the consumption of alcohol in moderation is not a sin. So if you approach it that it's right or wrong, you're going to miss it. You've got to approach it, does it produce life or does it produce death? My son-in-law, yeah. a long time, used to ride a motorcycle with me, and I, 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 I might lose you. I might get Kyle in trouble, but I, I, I'm talking about in moderation, one, maybe two at the most, I like a good Mexican beer. Can I call the view to stumble? Please get Okay. <laughs> but my son-in-law, he's now my son-in-law, was then used to ride to Arizona with me on a motorcycle, and he could not consume any alcohol. And I love green chili burgers and a cold beer. Am I getting in trouble? They don't care. <laughs> but I would not have a drink around him because I did not want to bring it to perfection. Because I knew in him it would produce death. Didn't know it one day he would become a son-in-law. But he swept my daughter off of her feet and became my son-in-law. And he's a great blessing in my life. And with that, but are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not about right and wrong. It's about life and death. And that whole thing came out of Socrates and Plato and Augustine and has been filtered into the church and it's messed the church up. That's the reason that people want to argue over this stuff. I have to mention, I was somewhere, I have to mention that Jesus turned the water into wine. Isn't it pretty clear it was wine? Yeah. <laughs> and this pastor that I was preaching for wrote me an epistle. <laughs> trying to convince me that it was grape juice. I, I like grape juice. And I drank a lot of grape juice. And I ain't never been drunk on grape juice. But I have a communion set that I used to travel in Eastern Europe with all the time. And I came home one of my last trips and left the grape juice in there. And it became wine. <laughs> it was poor wine. Are you hearing me? So, you, please, I'm not giving you a license to drink. Please don't with that. Stay away from it. Are you hearing me? But do this. Understand, don't approach things about the right and wrong create legalism. Yes. If, if you're driving home tonight and you get pulled over for doing five miles an hour above speed limit, do you want that policeman to apply the letter of the law or the spirit of the law? The spirit of the law will get you a warning and a correction. The letter of the law will get you a ticket. And God is well able to apply the spirit of the law and not out of life and death and give us warning. We'll get off of this because it, 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 it's very dear to me because I see the church just called a bloodbath. I have to say one other thing. I'm going to move to the last one. I'll finish up. In my Pentecostal background, somewhere I saw modeled, and everyone told me I had to, I saw modeled that if a young woman was pregnant and not married, they would not allow the shower to be in the church building. Yep. They would hold it off-site at someone's house. Yep. So I began to do that. 
and I had an encounter with the Lord. I didn't sing, and I this encounter took me to the woodshed, and he told me the condemnation that I was heaping upon those young women. I did that to 14 young women, and I found all but two of them in the attendant to them. Are you hearing that? Because they're not second-class citizens because they're not married. Then my own son, father of a child with his girlfriend not married, and I met with them the day they informed me she was pregnant, and I talked to them about fornication, and they repented, and I took the both of them before the church the next Sunday, and I announced to them that I was going to have a grandchild. And I had my son sit down, and I took the young woman in my arm, my arm around her, and I said, I want to tell you something. Being pregnant and not married is not a sin. The sin was fornication. And she has asked God to forgive her, and she's forgiven. And I don't want anyone here condemning her because I want her to carry my grandchild with health. And no emotional baggage. Are you hearing that? Amen. And I stood. See, we, we, when you push something right along, then you're going to plug dead. Don't that make any sense? Yes. We got to look at everything. Oh, that's good. Now, I want this church to grow, but I want it to grow by giving life to people. I don't like sin. You hear me? I don't, I don't like sin. But you have to understand that we have to give people some mercy and help them get a hold of God. And we, we, we major on the minors. We, we spit out camels and, 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 and you know, we, we get a speck in our eye and we claim that, you know, like it, we act like it's a cross time somebody else has died. Number five, when he finished. You find this in verse 42. We'll go back up and read it very quick. It said, But I know you, and I know that you do not have the love of God. We need to become the witness of the love of God. The book of John, chapter 13, verse 35, says, By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Can I just tell you, I don't see much love in the body of Christ. It's critical. They don't do it like we do it, so we fall. It's critical. I certainly, let me do what love does. If a, Matthew 18, 15 says, if a brother errs, you go to him and you and him alone. If he doesn't receive you, take witnesses. And let me let me teach this for a moment. You give him all. That doesn't mean witnesses to what was done wrong. A lot of injustices are done in private. It's witnesses to the next level of reconciliation conversation. Anybody ever went to be reconciled with one and it's just you and them uh, and, and it just gets worse. And then it's said if you don't bring him before. And the word's not church there. It's not the Saturday night gathering or the Sunday morning gathering whatever. The word is ecclesia. Which is different from a Sunday morning. And, and bring him before the church. And so what I'm trying to tell you is if we have love we're, we're going to go. I, I recently had to have a conversation with a very, very close friend of mine who texted me some information that some of it was poor communication and some of it was out about wrong about another friend of mine. And I love this part. I waited two days so I wouldn't react. I wanted to respond to the Holy Spirit. And I pointed out all the flaws in what was said to me because I care about this person. 
And if we care, we're going to go sit with them. I was asked into meeting two state leaders in a state somewhere which crossed up. It was bad. It was affecting the state. And, and God got a hold of one. I kept praying over both of them. God got a hold of one of the leaders. I got a call and said, I feel like I'm supposed to meet with so-and-so and repent, but I'd like you as an apostle in this state to be there. Well, I drove hours to be there. We met in a back room of a restaurant. We had a meal together first. And then we started in the meeting. I said, wait, wait. I said, shouldn't we define the purpose of this meeting and the expected outcome? Well, everybody was there said, yeah, that'd be good. And I waited. Nobody said, I said, well, how about if we settled that the purpose of this meeting is reconciliation and the expected outcome is it's never to be spoken of again. And that's why God does it. And they, they thought it was wrong. You know, and so we went into it. Listen, that state is moving with God. That was settled between two state leaders. There's not a problem. But yet we don't do it. We run around and we get our little group and we talk to them about how we don't agree with the way they did something. When we all, when, you know, where's it at? I, I just had someone share with me something I did that really brought an offense to them, and they talked to numerous ministers about it. And I really wanted to pull Matthew 18 out and tell them how wrong it was, but I was more interested in being reconciled in the relationship than proving to them how wrong it was. See, Christians don't uh, Christians don't have to be right, but they must be reconciled. After almost 49 years of marriage, 60 years, 61 years of friendship with my wife, I promise you, if it had been over who was right and who was wrong, we'd have been busted up a long time ago. <laughs> Amen. I've learned to say, okay, honey, I was wrong. Men, you need to practice those words. Stand in the mirror. Practice those words. Amen? I promise you, life is better. Listen, let me just know we didn't get into this in the prophetic. We'll do this. And I, I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. I'm going to pray over everybody first. How many of you men know how to spell Holy Spirit? Okay. Can you spell it for me, sir? W-I-F-E. <laughs> now the men hate me and the women love me. <laughs> Let me explain that. My wife is a deep feeler in our ministry. I hear God incredibly. But she has the sound wisdom of the application of what I hear. And so many times, had I listened to her, we wouldn't have got in trouble. I have two plaques in my life that have been given me that I that are very dear to me. The first plaque says this: "To the only man we know who jumps off the cliff and builds the wings on the way down." That's <laughs> That's cool. Then the elders came back and revised it, and it now says this. To the only man we know that jumps off the cliff and tells us to build the wing. <laughs> and that speaks very well of the elders, their, their respect to me and their trust. So I'm going to pray over you. 
Because I believe you are his resurrectional witness. I believe you are his Lord. There are some things, uh, we're recording, right? There are some things that have eluded you, sir, at times. It's like uh, what I'm seeing, I'm a seer in my gifting, but I'm seeing the old thing where they put a pea under one shelf and they moved around. And there were some things you really felt were just sure. But it just didn't turn out that way. But the Lord wants you to know you've kept the faith and he's proud of you. You're not letting some disappointments cause you to be bitter. And the Lord said there's still an inheritance to come to you. The inheritance is going to come from the Lord. There was even some shuffling of some papers that robbed you at one time. I don't know if it was on a business deal or a family deal, but there was something that kept you from coming into what had been promised to you. But because you are a man of integrity, the Lord said, you watch and see. I'm, the door I'm about to open, no one's going to close. And the Lord said, because you've been a man of forgiveness, the Lord said, I'm going to take your times of forgiveness. And there was even times that the forgiveness was so tough that tears flowed from your eyes. But the Lord said, know this, I bottled up your tears. And I'm now anointing you with tears that were tears of sorrow will now become tears of joy as they run down over your head. The Lord said, there are things I'm going to redeem in you, but I'm going to redeem through you for other people. The Lord said, there is a, a spirit of wisdom that's upon you, and you're going to begin to see young men and women seek you out just so you can help them make decisions in what they're to do. And the Lord said, the fulfillment of my hand being great upon you is going to cause great peace and great reward to come to you in the days to come. I saw something else in the Spirit, and I just want to ask, sometimes when I ask a question like I'm going to, people don't have the answer and they get it later, but does March the 13th mean anything to you? And sometimes it's very hard to think right now about it. I, excuse me, I realize that. But I want you to just pray into it and see, because I saw... March the 13th flashed over your your head a couple times as I, as I was ministering to you, but there's some things happening. The, the Lord said, I've heard your cry and your anguish over those that you love that have turned their back on me, says the Lord. The Lord said, they're running, but know this, I've set a hook in their jaw, and they're about to get to the end of the line. And he said, and this time, these are people who have served God and have walked away. And he said, this time, when I reel them in, they're not going to be able to throw the hook. And they're coming into the kingdom. And they're going, and coming into the kingdom, they're going to serve God. In fact, there's two people that I'm seeing, and one of them is fire and the other is thunder when they're together. And the Lord said, you watch and see. I've heard. Times you feel like you're not being heard, and but God wants you to know you're being heard. Does the name Elaine or Elena mean anything to you? Huh? I'm seeing like Elaine or Elena. Let, let me just share with you. I had a word like this by her name Linda, and the lady told me said the only Linda I know I went to school with that center since we graduated. This was a Friday night service. We would come back Saturday night. Saturday night she comes in and says, I went to the trade show, the flea market, what it was, in uh, Pocahontas, Arkansas. 
And guess who I ran into? Linda. I'm singing to the top She said, but that's not all of it. She's here tonight because I led her to the Lord. Oh. <laughs> something to do with like an Elaine or Elena that I'm seeing in the spirit. Just, you know, let's pray for her right now and let's expect a divine encounter. Does that be okay? Father, whoever this Elaine or Elena that I'm seeing in the spirit realm, Father, we just release Holy Spirit. We just release Holy Spirit. That's all in her. Call her heart to be rendered and released to you in a greater capacity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have one other thing this afternoon. I lay down for a few moments. One of the things that didn't come easy to me is sleep, but I fell into a sleep this afternoon, which really surprised me. And I had a dream about Relentless Church, and I saw something play out in it. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm submitting to you to pray into this. But I saw the people of this church bring their petitions written on like a post-it note. And I've got a reference in this in my life. And they brought the, their, their petitions. They brought their appeals to heaven. And you had here balloons and helium. And at the end of the service, you all went out in the parking lot and everybody released their petition to God. Now, I submit that you, you're the head of this house. You decide if that's something you're literally to do. But I'm going to give you a testimony. We were in Lake Village, Arkansas. I did a, I did a series of meetings in Arkansas called the Trail of Hope. We did 14 meetings in 14 locations in 12 months' time. Dutch was with me on many of them. Chuck was with me on some of them. Other ministers there. Jackie was there. Other ministers were there. And the Lord had instructed me at every meeting we had balloons planted instead of filled to heaven. And in every meeting, people would be issued a posting of it. And at the end of the meeting, they'd stick it to the balloon and release it. And one Friday night in Lake Village, Arkansas, a woman came to me after she had released her balloon. She said, I feel like I need your agreement. She said, when my daughter turned 17, she left home. She said, I know where she's at, but I've not spoken to her in eight years. She talks to another relative, and the relative lets me know she's okay. I want to be reconciled to my daughter. I, will, I, you know, I don't care if she continues to live where she's at, continue to live like that, but I, I want to be reconnected to my daughter. And she said, that's what I released, it, released on my healing way. I can agree with that. I listen, I believe in family. I believe in family. <coughs> it was a Friday night. Sunday, I walked out of the pulpit in South Haven, Mississippi, and looked at my phone. There's a lady in Lake Village that worked with me and knows me very well as my personal staff. And she said, I got a call from so-and-so. She said she talked to you the other night. Told you about her daughter who had left when she was 17. She hadn't talked, spoke with her in eight years, and all this stuff. Said she called from California today and said, "Mom, I'm ready to come home." Mm -hmm. 
America burns with revival and the pockets of fiery awakening across the nation are spreading, mm. bringing public life. Mm. So good, yeah. That's what's ahead. As you become this resurrectional witness, as you become the war of God, this is what's ahead. It's not just about Cane Ridge. It's not just about uh, Red River uh, Meeting House. All those are wells, and they're important, and I'm all for them, and, and everything with that. But it's really about people getting stirred up with yeah. God. So stand yeah. with you. I think I'm going to look at longer, but I'm going to discharge the fullness. I want you to just put your hand on your heart. And I want to go. I want to pray with you that you absolutely will become God's woman in the earth. You'll be coming in AutoZone. You'll be coming in the steakhouse. You'll be coming in the fish house. You'll be coming. You'll become it wherever you go. You're going to carry the fire of God. We, we are in a place we need the God who answered by fire. And I've been saying that and prophesying that and the Lord spoke to me. I can only answer by fire if my people, if my people become my become my Lord. And so that's where we're at tonight. Are you ready to receive? Yes. Amen. Just 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 set your heart to receive this. I'm watching right now as mantles. Mantles settle over everybody. I'm seeing in the spirit. There's mantles. There's also scrolls that are dropping down. See I believe there's a port there's a book of life that's been written about you and God's about to to break the seal on this book and you're about to go to a new phase uh, in, in what God had his hand on you. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this pastor. I thank you for the relentless church. I thank you for every church and ministry that's represented here tonight. But Father, we, we just say we're open to your mantles coming upon us. Father, we don't design them, we don't we don't title them, whatever it is you desire for us to have, we're open for them. So Father, we just say break the seal on these scrolls and let the angels of the Lord begin to read out of our scrolls the new phase, the new place, the new era, the, 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 the reality of truth that needs to be read and declared and decreed at this moment. Father, we declare there are doors opening that no one will close. And we declare there are doors closing that no one's going to be able to open. Now, Father, let the mantle of authority that you've invested in every king and priest, or every king who's a priest, and every priest who's a king, that's in this room, let that mantle come upon them and let their kingly authority cause them to become the roar of Yahweh in the earth today. And Father, we release these people. Your <coughs> your ecclesia, your praying church, your children, to become everything that you've destined them to be. And we declare this thing now in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 One of the things I saw in the plane is I assume y'all are a couple. 
father don't know everything, but with that, with it, uh, the Lord is willing to speak something about promotion, promotion, promotion. The Lord said, I'm going to take the humility that you display so well, and it's going to become the platform of promotion. It's promotion time for the two of you. Very place of authority that God. I saw the heavens open, and I said, "The Lord." I saw the Lord say, "Come up here," and the Lord said, "I'm about to bring you into a place of promotion, but prepare yourself. It's going to stir up jealousy." But the Lord said, "You can handle it because you're people of, of humility. You're people that, uh, that that humble yourself, and it's now time that you be exalted." The Lord said, "There's been a season that was hard." But you've endured your through season, and you're now coming into your due season. The Lord said, promotion is due to you because you've been found faithful. You've been found faithful to both of you individually, but especially together. You have been found faithful. Every word I've spoken here, Pastor Kyle has the final word on it. He gets in touch with me next week and he said he didn't believe this word God. And I know it's God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to submit to him. Because then God will be able to take him to the woodshed.